Hi, I'm Jake, and this is the 15-second summary of the movie I'm talking about today, Titanic. Rose sets forth on the Titanic with her family and fiancé. She was bored one night when she decided to go swimming and meets the young poor guy, Jack. They fall in love over the next couple of days until the ship sinks. Rose survives, and Jack sinks to the bottom of the sea. She eventually dies after telling her story and is reunited with Jack after all. Hey, everyone. We are finishing up our Life According to Movie series today with the movie... Titanic, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, our Jack and Rose. The movie Titanic won 11 Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Titanic is the third highest grossing movie of all time. Debuting in 1997, Titanic has made over $2.1 billion in worldwide box office sales. That's a lot of money for a movie that everybody knows how it ends, right? The ill-fated voyage of the Titanic has promoted countless movies, books, TV series, songs, plays, musicals, conspiracy theories, and cautionary tales. Even if you are one of the very few people who haven't seen the movie Titanic, most everyone is aware that the movie is based on the actual historic event of the Royal Mail steamer Titanic colliding with an iceberg. On April 15th, 1912, Titanic, weighing in at over 46,000 tons and 11 stories high and over eight football fields long, known as the largest moving object in the world, it struck an iceberg and sank to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Of the 2,240 passengers and crew on board, only 723 survived. There are so many theories and reasons that led to the Titanic sinking, but I don't think that any of them is greater than the underlying conspiracy theory of pride. Proverbs 16, 18 says this, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. The type of pride that we're gonna be talking about today, it stems from that place of arrogance and hubris that is rooted in our hearts. It's that, that deep feeling or deep pleasure or satisfaction that is derived from our own achievements. Pride has been called the sin from which all others arise. St. Augustine wrote this, he said, it was pride that changed angels into devils it is humility that makes men as angels. There's a letter in the Bible written by a man named Peter that I want to share with you today, specifically 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 5 if you want to follow along on your phone. Because as I was preparing this message, I kept going back to this scripture because I think Peter is speaking straight to the heart of the pride that lives in each of us. Verse 5 in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. And all of you who are 15 over, go ahead and say amen in the chat. Like Peter, who's writing, is a little older when he's writing this letter. He's no longer the Peter who's, who's picking up swords and fighting. He's, he's slowed down a bit. He's got that AARP swag. He's, he's speaking on behalf of, the, of his golden buckeye brothers and sisters. He goes on to write and say, all of you, Close yourselves with humility towards one another. 
because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. In the movie Titanic and in the real life event, there were three men that were at the top that stood in positions of leadership that in the end were all three held accountable for their actions or inactions. All three men allowed pride to influence their leadership. Titanic's ship designer, Thomas Andrews, in the movie was portrayed by Victor Garber. When Thomas Andrews designed Titanic, he made the decision to not extend up the bulkheads in the watertight compartments as high as they needed to be to actually be watertight because doing so would have taken away too much living space from the first class. Isn't it ironic that the decision to add more living space ultimately led to them losing their lives? Titanic's commander, Captain E.J. Smith, portrayed by, portrayed by Bernard Hill, he served at sea for 40 years. Prior to Titanic's crossing, he was quoted as saying, I can't imagine any condition which would cause a ship to founder. I, I can't conceive of any vital disaster happening. Modern shipbuilding has gone beyond that. Captain Smith chose to increase speed against his crew's advice, pushing Titanic faster than any other maiden voyage had ever gone before, all while ignoring seven different iceberg warnings from his crew and other ships at sea. J. Bruce Ismay, chief executive of White Star Line, portrayed by Jonathan Hyde, he was determined to make Titanic the largest, most luxurious and fastest transatlantic ship Ismay, he shared this, he said, the press knows the size of Titanic. Now I want them to marvel at her speed. We must give them something new to print. This maiden voyage of Titanic must make headlines. They got their headlines. Headlines rooted in pride. What would be some of the headlines of your life? Like, just for a moment, just go with me here. Like, if we gathered together some of the top investigative journalists from both sides of the news media divide, and we hired them to do, like, an expose on your life, what would be some of the headlines? And can I just say here that I'm really glad that this was not done on me back in my 20s. Like, I'm so glad social media was not a thing. Like, like nowadays, maybe we don't really look at daily headlines. Some of us do, but a lot of us, we spend more time looking at our daily post pics, stories, and snaps, right? But we look at what's trending, or we look what's going viral, and what would be the thing that people would see most about you? If they looked past the headlines and past the posts, past the perfectly manicured, filtered, and staged selfies, who would they see, really? If these investigative journalists actually dug deep enough and they started to see the real you, what kind of story could they write? What would the headlines be? Father sacrifices all for family. Against all odds, mother soars to the top of corporate America. Teen dedicates life to standing up for bullies. 
These would be great headlines, right? If someone wrote them about you, right? But here's the deal, typically, not always, but typically, there's some other headlines, there's some other things that that happen first, right? Father consumed with self-interest and neglects family. Mother caves to pressures and drops out of school. Teen victim of bullying isolates and sinks into depression. Listen, God will redeem all of our stories if we let him. What are the headlines being written right now, though, in your life? Maybe to put it another way, what is the thing that these journalists could find enough evidence of to convict you of? You know, not from what you say in a one-time post, but in a life lived. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 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 for instance, if I say, I follow Jesus as Lord and leader of my life, but is there enough evidence in my life to convict me of that statement being true? What would they convict you of? What could they convict you of? Like, I believe in equality for all people. Do you? Like, really? Like, is there enough evidence to convict you of that with, with, with how you live, with who you hang out with, with who you invite to the dinner table? Could they convict you of division or unity? Compassion or hate? Faith or fear? Haughtiness or humility? What is the life story that my grandchildren will one day read because I am writing it every single day? Is it a story that is filled with self or sacrifice? See, why I'm glad that there wasn't social media back in my 20s is because you would have found enough evidence to convict me of being a self-centered, prideful, egomaniac. (laughs) Interestingly enough, roughly 20 years ago, I was a young aspiring actor in New York City and I had just booked my first Broadway national tour to play one of the lead roles in a tiny little musical called Titanic. Little did I know 20 years ago on that tour that my life, much like the Titanic, was headed for an iceberg. I was so full of pride, full of myself, full of stuff that I can't say in church. I couldn't see the disaster ahead. Pride goes before destruction. Pride prevents us from seeing the icebergs in our lives. Like, see, just prior to the Titanic colliding with the iceberg, Frederick Fleet, the lookout on duty, he saw something up ahead and he quickly realized it was an iceberg and he cried out, Iceberg right ahead! But it was too late. They were going too fast. There wasn't enough time to turn the ship and avoid the collision. Had pride not influenced the captain, the builder, the owner, Titanic wouldn't have been going so fast. They wouldn't have been traveling on a northern route full of icebergs. And their ship would have actually been watertight had they gotten into a collision. We would have had very different headlines, but instead, iceberg right ahead. We've all got icebergs right ahead. Some of them are small, easy to navigate around. 
Some of them are big, the kind that can sink a marriage, sink a business, sink our character, sink our family or our integrity, sink our future. See, see, icebergs, may, they may look small to the public because they can only see what's above the water, but it's what's below the water, the things unseen that have the potential to be large and lethal. What icebergs are up ahead in your life? Can, can you even see them or is pride creating a blind spot? Listen, the larger your pride, the larger your iceberg. Pride comes from, from the narrative in your mind that says, you know what, I know better, I deserve this, I should have gotten that, I'm better than them, I earned this. My mom used to say to me like, you just think you're all that in a bag of chips, don't you? When the narrative in my mind all starts with I, iceberg, right ahead, See, at the center of my pride is I. At the center of your pride is I. Interestingly enough, I is also at the center of our sin. We are the issue. We are the issue. Not those people, not that thing, not that group, not that leader or that program or that organization. It's me. It's you. Our pride limits my potential. Your pride limits your potential. Pride is the thing inside of us that says, we know better. We don't need to listen. See, back in verse 5, Peter wrote this. He says, all of you, not some of you, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Elders, <laughs> our pride is the thing inside of us that tells us, we know better. Young bloods, pride is the thing inside of us that tells us we know better. Listen, in time, all of us will have bags and start to sag. Time is the great equalizer. None of us are better than the other. We can learn from each other. Whitewater family, let me be real honest with you right now. As a faith community with such a rich history, we have the gift of an incredible multi-generational church. That is a blessing, but it's a blessing that will only be realized when we humble ourselves and we learn from each other. God, reveal in us what needs to be corrected. Search us, oh God, and know our hearts. Correct us and heal us. It is fascinating that at both ends of the age spectrum, we believe that we are right. We believe that we know what's, wet, what's best. <laughs> Here's the deal, we do not know better. We are not the masters of our own universe. Sometimes if we're not careful, we will slip back into a false reality where it's only about us and our own little population of me, myself, and I and everybody who sounds, listens, and talks just like me. We can't sustain being the masters of our own universe because we were never meant to sit on a throne that isn't ours. There's only one master of the house and that's my dad. When I was growing up, our family, they'd come together, you know, every Friday and Saturday night, and we'd watch TV together. It was a very Brady family picture. 
my mom, she'd sit in her chair and that would normally be covered by, you know, whatever craft or project she was working on. Uh, the three kids, we, we would all pile up on top of each other on the couch. And then there was my dad's chair, the throne of thrones, the lazy boy of lazy boys. And everyone knew that that was my dad's chair and only he sat there. But sometimes, before he would get home from work or, or come inside from working in the garage, like I would sneak into the living room and I'd jump up onto that lazy boy and I'd, I'd, I'd kind of like struggle to pull the lever, you know, so I could recline the chair and pop out the, <laughs> the footrest. And I got older and I could do it. And man, I thought I was living, right? I, I had arrived. And right in the moment when I was starting to get proud of myself, like thinking I'm, I'm in the big boy chair now, like I'd reach for the TV remote. And every time, right when I was about to get that golden remote of power in my hands, my dad would turn the corner and be like, boy, get out of my chair. See, we all knew that that was my dad's chair. What was I doing there, right? I think that somewhere in each of us, there is a recognition that says we are not meant to be the masters of our own universe. That that's not our chair. We don't know better. But how many times do we try to climb up onto the throne, trying to take back the throne and take back the remote, thinking that we know what's best for our lives? Humble yourselves, Peter says under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. We're sitting on thrones when at best we're footstools. God, I, I need you to, to lead my life. I'll make a mess of it. Jesus, I need you. I know what I'll do with my own life without you. I am dead without you. This life, it is not mine. My life was bought and paid for. That's not my throne. Left to our, our own devices with us in control, we are selfish, prideful, conceited, and self-centered. J. Bruce Ismay, the owner of Titanic, he's believed to have said, God himself couldn't sink this ship. I don't know if that was a wise business decision for the White Star Line to put that out there. Because here's the deal. It only took 160 minutes for the largest moving object in the world to sink beneath the Atlantic. The movie Titanic was 35 minutes longer than the time it took for the largest moving object in the world to disappear beneath the waves. God himself couldn't sink this ship. Iceberg, right ahead. I want to wrap up by sharing with you three things that I've been processing through as I, as I think about the builder and the owner and the captain of the Titanic. Three things that I believe will help us humble ourselves and navigate the icebergs in our lives. First thing, I lower my pride when I lower my posture. See, if the captain would have listened to those beneath him, if he would have got down with them, we have a very different headline. Listen, my title does not entitle me. Jesus said this, he says, if you elevate yourself, you will be humbled. If you humble yourself, you will be elevated. Two, I lower my pride 
when I lower my pace. Ismay wanted so badly to be the fastest, but, it, but if they have just gone slower, they would have seen the iceberg ahead with time to, ban- to maneuver. Again, we would have had a different headline. Slowly is the fastest way to your desired destination. I think that's why Jesus said, walk with me, not run with me. Third thing, I lower my pride when I lower my privilege. As a member of first class in wealth and in status, Thomas Andrews had the ability to design a ship that would bring comfort and security to every person that stepped onto that ship. But he compromised the integrity of Titanic's design to bring comfort to his privileged class. Had he leveraged his privilege to make sure his design served everyone without compromise, we'd have a very different headline. Listen, never compromise integrity to promote privilege. Compromise privilege to promote the compromised. We have so much privilege. Are we using that privilege to elevate others? or ourselves. One of the things that was great about my dad was that even though it was his chair and he let us know that it was his chair, after we finished our TV dinners and we put away our TV trays, yes, we were that family. And for those that don't know what I'm talking about, you can Google it. After the TV trays were put away, my dad, one by one, he'd call us up to climb up and sit on his lap, to sit with him in his chair. It was one of those awesome moments as a kid. It wasn't our chair, we knew that. But he loved us and he wanted us to be with him in that chair. I believe that's a small picture of what our Heavenly Father, what he longs to do with us, to call us up. To, to, to crawl up onto his lap, to be held, to be, to be protected, to be loved, to be cared for, to be reminded of our identity, that we're his daughters, that we're his sons, that we're royalty, to let us know that no matter how many times we, we try to hold the remote or do our own thing, that he still loves us no matter what. See, he's calling us back to him to crawl up on his lap, But we can't do that until we lay down our pride. My heart breaks from reading the countless headlines in post, day after day, week after week, month after month of icebergs taking people out. It's time to lay down our pride. It's time to come back to the Father. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that you have given us this moment in time to talk about how we can be more like you. I thank you that uh, you haven't given up on us. I thank you for 
deliverance. I thank you for redemption. I thank you for second chances. I thank you that you're not done writing the story and the headlines in our lives. Jesus, search us as the great physician and and give us a new heart so that we may be agents of healing and not chaos. That we may be agents of love and not hate. Search us, God, and whatever imperfections you find, cut them out so that we can be more like you. We are desperate for you right now, Jesus. We need you and we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.